When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Celtic State of Mind. I am Paul John Dykes and I'm joined today by Lawrence Conley and Jared Hill. Jared, you're dialing in from the Celtic Down Under headquarters over in Australia. How did you enjoy that game yesterday? How did you watch it? Oh, it was a bit of a doozy for me because um, Monday morning, 2am kickoff, got to, got to be up at six for work. So I was like, how do I juggle it? So I had two options. Option one was go to bed early, get up, run the risk of snoozing your alarm and missing the game entirely or putting your phone in a social media blackout, getting up, watching it first thing in the morning like it was live, which is what I ended up doing. And, uh, yeah, it actually worked out. I didn't get any spoilers for once. So happy days. Absolutely. I thought you might have went up to YR, to the brazen shed, mate. I wish one day I'll get there. Oh, it's a dream, isn't it? It is a dream. Up and visit Gordon Conlon at Conlon and the YR boys. Only a lazy 14-hour drive, Lawrence. That's all that is. That's not Lawrence, the you get a, you get around, Lawrence. I've got to say, I love the Celtic Down Under logo, which is obviously in the top right of the screen. Um, get onto the YouTube, subscribe to the channel, follow the guys on the social media channels and support our boys over in Australia. Um, we have been talking about the And Revolution for some time now, Lawrence, and it's just, you know, it's clicking into another gear now. I think... A lot of the chat leading up to this game, um, I'm I'm a great believer that this game, right, and it's two different guises, doesn't really need the contrived drama that we saw in the week and weeks leading up to it, Lawrence. I mean, the, the fixture looks after itself and the fact that it was a cup final. Um, but I was delighted to to see that Celtic and Ange didn't get involved in all that nonsense. Yeah, but, you know, it's obviously not coming from us, but some of the guys over there must be... You must be feeling the pressure. You know, there's only two tr- trophies left for nine of them. You know, so it's, it's, it's got to be. You're stuttering a wee bit there, Lawrence. Um, so I'm going to throw this over to Jared and hopefully your signal sorts itself out. Just a little stutter there. Jungle Lion, how petty were they not putting Celtic on their jersey yesterday? Shows you their mindset. Well, it's all that kind of stuff. Jungle Lion and all the chat around the game leading up to it. I think though, Jared, that as long as Angie and the boys are showing their true class, that's all we're interested in. I actually think it's funny because you look at it and it's like you can take it one or two ways. It's either, yeah, out of sight, out of mind, we don't worry about them and it's like a reverse psychology and it's just going to keep making them, if we don't say anything, it's like then they're just going to get more rolled up because it's like the silent treatment. 
But sometimes you just want to see the managers come out and give them a slap. <laughs> like, hey, listen, absolutely. Like, Chris Sutton did a good job for us, giving him a bit of a slap around, and I'm glad it came from a former player, and that was it. You know, th- this is the thing. Chris Sutton, for me, is um, he's not a pantomime villain, Lawrence, right? I mean, you've met him a number of times. I just think that he, he is. He does play the part of uh, someone who will defend Celtic when they need defended. And the, the the quickness and the speed at which that seemed to rail up Michael Beale was astonishing. But I think it says more about Michael Beale than Chris Sutton or anyone else, Lawrence. And the thing is, you've got to go into these games laser-focused on the task at hand. You can't allow yourself to be, you know, uh, taking left, right and centre and all these uh, dramas in the press leading up to it. I mean, Jared had done a good job in not knowing the score before he watched the game uh, yesterday. But normally, every player, every manager, every member of staff will know exactly who's saying what leading up to this game. But I'm, I'm of the view that we've come out of it and our class is intact, Lawrence, and it should always be that way. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Listen, Chris is a, a very dedicated commentator. Put puts the work in. He's not going to be out, outwitted by Michael Beale, much like Ange isn't going to be outwitted by him. You know, so they're just making us look daft with the comments that came out. You know, it's just empty vessels making a lot of noise. Yeah. You know, they've got no chance of winning anything this season. You well, know, the treble is very much. I think it's going to be another treble. The, well, Lawrence, they the, were talking the about stuff, a treble. The they they were talking stuff. about a treble last week. Neil McCann talking about yeah. a treble for Rangers last week. Uh, and we're sitting here, like you say. I mean, and by the way, this is not complacency. It's not arrogance. It's about looking at the situation in terms of the league and where we are in the league. You then look at the Scottish Cup. Yeah, we all know uh, what can happen in a, in a cup game. Absolutely. You know, it could come down to a couple of bad performances, a poor refereeing decision, then you're you're staring at a defeat. I totally get that. But I'm looking at a side at the moment that um, if you rewind, Lawrence, to this time last year, what I mean by that is the League Cup final last year, and you look at the quality of the side that we have now and the depth of the squad that we've got right now, I'm far more confident that we could go ahead and, and win all three trophies this season. Yeah, far better place. You know, I, I just certainly put his mark on the entire club, hasn't he? Uh, we've got two players for every position now. And, you know, we know how to play, or the players now know how to play the way Ange wants them to play. It's it's kind of evident when you watch both teams, you know, that there's a huge gulf between them. Not just in class, on and off the park. You know, walking off the park rather than applauding the winners. You know, minute silence, sectarian singing through a minute silence. All the comments in the press beforehand about how good they are. It, it really is amazing because kind of track, you know, close season they're brilliant and then we're, they're, they're on up to play and as apparently they're amazing. It, it just ha- never happens on the day for them, does it? It's a case of imposter syndrome, Lawrence. That's what it is. Not just as the not as just Beal and the manager knowing he's trying to live up to Gerard and everyone before him, and then you've got their fans, you know, trying to pretend that they are Rangers, not Sevco. So there's the whole imposter thing. That's why the squeaky wheel gets the oil. That's why they're getting all the attention and all the noise here. Yeah. If, if you look at Bill, he's obviously came out and you're saying, you know, he's always attached to sell to Jared. Maybe that's his standard. One trophy out of nine. That's what he's aiming for. Oh. Oh. It's not a standard that anyone should be trying to emulate with a thought one out of nine. You know? We're talking about setting the standards and obviously the banner that came out. Uh, you know, just put that just put that to bed. And I think that when you look at the stats, you look at the, the, the trophy-laden um, near history that Celtic have had, um, I go back to a, a point I made the other night, which is probably why my throat's a wee bit ropey, so apologies in advance. You might prefer if, if I sound like this or can barely speak, but it's uh, three or four days of events and then obviously the cup final yesterday. Um, and my throat is in tatters, but we were ch- chatting, and I'll come back to this, we were chatting about standards um, around the Martin O'Neill era and the fact that since he took over, you know, the, the trophy haul that we've had since then, this was before um, our latest one was, and I need to double-check my, my notes here, but I'm, I'm sure it was 36 trophies in 23 years since Martin O'Neill took over. Because what I was doing was comparing that 
Jared, uh, the, the 23 years preceding Martin's arrival, where we had won 15 trophies since 1977, between that era and the era we've had since. Um, and all we keep hearing is Scotland's most successful club, the world's most successful club. Celtic Football Club are by far the biggest and the best. And Ange hasn't been afraid to tell us that either, has he, Jared? Not at all. And it's not bluster from him. It's cold hard facts. Ange doesn't say things for the sake of a you know a headline. It's cold hard facts. That's what it is. We're the most successful recently. And um yeah, I think it's two more trophies or something to beat the combined total of the guys playing out of Ibrox. And then once they're in the in the rearview mirror, see is jog on, we're on our way. No, you're, you're spot on. And it's something that I, I would like to talk about once we get through the games, the performances, the goals, is the aftermath. What does this, this, what does this mean for both clubs? And I think that's really relevant um, in the aftermath of that victory because what it means for Celtic is one thing, um, but what it means for the opposition, we can uh, also have a wee look at that. Martin O'Neill comes in and uh, to say, love that O showed, he won't take any guff off them straight from the moment he came on. I like his approach, Lawrence. I like O's approach. He's a big physical lad. Um, he got booked pretty quickly, and I just hope that that doesn't become a feature of his game because I felt that Yakamakis was unfairly treated by the refs during his time in Scotland. But big O, um, he knows what he's here for, and he gives you a completely different proposition than Kyogo, who we'll get to as well because he's just a wee genius. Were you impressed with O? And also the um, the introduction to Aksabanovich. I thought he, you know, his cameo was very. Very good indeed. Listen, I, I think O's an upgrade than Yakimakis. I think you know he's got the physicality, but he's a lot more mobile. I think he's also got the potential to grow more than Yakimakis has. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a big player for us. Haksabanovic, yeah. he's looked good for us any time he's played. He's, he's struggled to get a run of games through injury. I think there was Bremen and his family as well. So. It just shows you the depth of squad and just building them, though, isn't it? No, Haksabanovic, outstanding player. Mm-hmm. You, you think, you know, a few years back, he'd been one of the first names in the team sheet. Now, he's just another member of the squad. It's just the, the level of Ange's pulling everything up to, isn't it? No, you're yeah. right. The, the, I mean, fair play to Theo, you know, he's shown he's not going to be bullied. And but that's what we need. We need players that can stand up and be counted. Mm-hmm. What does the trophies mean to us compared to them? For us, it's just another League Cup. You know, that's just the norm. It's the way of life. You went out with the stats there since Neil came in. And it probably it's the norm for them as well. Not winning. Because recently, they don't really win anything, do they? Certainly not very very few in front of fans. It's just going to continue. But it'll continue, Lawrence, like you say, not through elitism or the fact that we think we're entitled to success. It's because we do it right. We, we do all the preparation right. We do the finances right. We've now got the recruitment right. We've got the right man in charge of the football department at Celtic. And that's what it comes down. It's no luck or entitlement. It's just that Celtic have gone out there and they've done the hard at graft. Um, and, and you can see it in the likes of Callum McGregor after the game when he's talking. You know, the, these, these guys have got to listen to all that noise but they just go out and continually produce. I'm bringing this up from Danny Riley. Great display hoops, but Turnbull couldn't even raise a smile. Fight for your place, David. You've got the talent. I think there's a group of players, Jared. Uh, we've mentioned O, who's trying to obviously fight for a jersey. It's going to be a tough one for him. Haksabanovic, like Lauren says, he has looked good, but where do you play him if he's going to start? And David Turnbull's another one who's made him an impact this season when he's came on. But again, it just shows you the quality. O'Reilly's another one now because we'll get to Moy, but O'Reilly's not getting that jersey anytime soon. It shows you the quality of the transfer windows that we've had since Sanders come in, that we've got this depth of squad now that, you know, even if someone isn't playing that well, you know that someone on the bench is able to take that jersey and run with it. Yeah, 100%. It's um, it's a squad game for us now. I remember like when we had Rogers was in there and you had before that with Lennon, it was always pretty much new. You had a squad of like 13, 14 players that the starting 11 was going to come out of every week. And with Ange, you've got that much depth that if Johnson was to go out, Ralston comes in, we don't lose anything. If Moy comes out or, you know, Jota comes out, you've got a Barter and you've got O'Reilly who can come in and fill it. As you said about um, Turnbull, like 
I noticed that as well watching it this morning. It was like he's just standing there. Everyone's up there getting their medals, and he's just got his hands in his pockets and his jacket pockets up on the thing, just looking any look, looking like he would rather be anywhere else. Like it's disappointing. I don't mm. want to go back to the COVID season and the body language experts and all this sort of stuff, but he just didn't did not look happy at all. No. He didn't. I remember uh, JP Mason, who comes in on a Thursday and has done for a number of years now, telling me that um, after a European game, he deliberately stayed behind to watch the disappointment of Celtic and the success and, and the jubilation of the opponents. And he did it deliberately as a motivation. And I think that if you're a player, you turn that, you know, you turn that into determination. If you're a guy like David Turnbull looking around, you're, you're surely saying to yourself, by the time if and when we get to the Scottish Cup final, I want to be on that park. I want to be the guy that's going up uh, with a loudspeaker to the Green Brigade. And I want to be the capo, you know. That's the way that I think a footballer should look at it. Um, we'll get to some of the other positions on the park because I think there were some real heroes, some heroic performances. Um, and we'll run through some of those. Sean Fairley, thank you for tuning in. I announced this morning on the socials, we've just had 11 million views on the YouTube channel, which is astonishing. I'm going to get back to the impact of those people that watch the show, subscribe to the channel, like the channel and all this kind of stuff because the live events have given me an opportunity to speak to a lot of you. And uh, some of the feedback I've been getting is astonishing and I'm going to have to share that with you. But before I do all that, Sean Fairley wants to say, now the emotion has subsided. And I spoke about this yesterday because, you know, that 15 minutes felt like 15 hours when Rangers came back into the game. Hart never had to make a save. McGregor made four saves and we missed three sitters. Magnificent resilience. Deserved winners. Hail, hail. You can get lost in the emotion of the game at the time though, Lawrence, can't you? Hey, Drew Scott here and I'm Jonathan Scott reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, listen, it was uh, great scenes in the album where I was watching it. Uh, Public's not going to be there for long, but... If you, if you stand back and analyse it afterwards, like we probably watched it again this morning, that, that, that game was one at a canter. You know, mm-hmm. there was only one team that was ever going to win it. We didn't miss sitters. Their keeper was busier. At no point did I ever think we were, we were in danger of losing that game. And, and it, you know, in the past, in finals, we've been a lot closer. But the, the golf is, is evident now. It is so big. And... Players like Turnbull's maybe looking on. He's only got 18 months left in his contract. He's maybe thinking this is passing him by. Because I, I, I don't think Ange will be... Uh, sentimental to keep him about and think, you know, you played a lot for him when you first started. Ange is bringing in better players every transfer window. The team's improving every window as we go. I think maybe Turnbull's one of the guys that's, that's going to move on in the summer. For the performance of the team, absolutely outstanding. I'm going to throw that one over to, to Jared. Um, Lawrence used the word sentimentality. Does that exist in Angie's vocabulary or philosophy, Jared? Come on, you already know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> we saw it last year. If he's going to get rid of anyone from the club, like I said on our pod about oh, two, three weeks before it was announced, that like, the way I saw Angie knowing that he was like, in the squad building that either Rogic or Turnbull will be moving on. That's the way I look at it at the end of last season. And I expected it to be Turnbull. I didn't think he'd let the Aussie guy guy go. Sure enough, he did. So if he's letting the Aussie guy, he's been at the club for nine years, he's one year off getting his you know, testimonial game, if he's letting him go, he's not going to hang around or worry about Turnbull and anything like that. It's like, how can I improve the team? Mm-hmm. What do we need to do to improve the team? And the number 10 position is probably the position for me that I think we need to upgrade above all else to make an impact in Europe next season. And the thing with, with Turnbull, at his age, I, I get what he, you know, the disappointment. I get that he wants to play first-team football, but use it to inspire you and to, to push you on rather than mope about. And again, yeah, 
I'm, I'm being the body language expert here. So, you know, he might have been delighted. He was hiding it pretty well, I've got to say. Um, but looking at the squad depth and just going back to what I said about O'Neill Lawrence, I often go to the UEFA Cup final and I know we had um, injury worries with regards to John Hartson. He was he was out that night in 2003, 20 years ago. But look at the substitutes that we had in the UEFA Cup final. We had Magnus Hedman, Jackie McNamara, Ulrich Larson, Mohamed uh, Mo Silla, Jamie Smith, David Fernandez, and Sean Maloney. And uh, Sean Maloney at that time was a youngster coming through. You know, it's not the Sean Maloney we, we came to know and, and the ability that he did have. So I don't even think we had that squad depth under the, um, you know, the Martin O'Neill um, era. And for me, when I, when I look at the squad, and I'm always doing this, I'm always saying to myself, is this the best team that I've seen as a Celtic supporter? Having watched the club physically since 1987 and seen some fantastic sides, you know, I love the centenary team, Lawrence. I love Tommy Burns' side. They played with a style and a fluidity. And there was entertainers and individuals, as well as the old school of Peter Grant and Paul McStay and Tommy Boyd. Then you get Martin O'Neill coming in. Then you get Brendan Rodgers coming in. And um, some tremendous results under Neil Lennon as well. Is this the best team you've seen as a Celtic fan, Lawrence? Is it up there? It's definitely up there. Yeah, definitely up there. You know, this... I'd say Tommy's just for the style of football was right at the top. Obviously, you know we were returning home from Europe on Friday nights, having to play on Saturday mornings, and the other lot were uh, running illegal tax schemes. Yeah. We weren't allowed to play players that were registered. You know, pulling out every trick in the book to stop, stop Tommy. You know what? I don't think any tricks they've got is going to stop Ange. No, we've seen it this season. They've tried it. You know. With, the bar. It was an absolute farce that game at Time Castle, you know, and there's been many classical decisions this season and taking five or six minutes to spot a clear obvious error or to check for it. I don't think they can stop Ange. He's putting together something that is unstoppable in Scotland anyway. And the next target is Europe. Cherry's touched on, I think it's going to be a number 10 that we need to improve on. And it, it looks to me like, yeah, T- Turnbull doesn't long his contract. I, I don't think he's got it in him. Yeah to take us to the next level. I think we'll sell them and improve that position. You know, we've heard uh, we never stop, we don't stop, Jared. But what Lawrence is saying is you can't stop. There is no one else out there who who is able to. Now, I know the counter-argument. I've got friends who support Dundee United, Aberdeen, um, Dunfermline, etc. And the, the counter-argument is always, oh, it's just budget. You just make the same argument when you're playing in the Champions League. But... You've got budgets and then you've got how to use the budgets, Jared. I mean, you can misuse the budget that you've got. You can buy bad players. And all it takes is two or three poor um, transfer windows. And before you know it, you're not as strong. So, yeah, we do have a bigger budget, but we built that up ourselves. And now we're utilising it probably as well as I can remember Celtic utilising it. Um, but I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I, I do think, as I'm sitting here at the moment, with more to come, This is this is the best Celtic team that I've seen, and, and you know how fond I am, as Lawrence says, of Tommy's team. I loved it. I loved the success of Brendan Rodgers. But I'm seeing a better brand of football. I've got more belief that even if, for example, even if Rangers were to pull that back to two each, I just think we would have stepped it up, would have made the changes, and we would have come back and won the game anyway. Um, what about yourself? I know you're watching from afar. You're getting up at all times of the, the morning to watch the games. Um, is it? I mean... How do you rate this and side and this and side that is still developing? I'll take it on a slightly different tangent for you, Paul, because something I was thinking about when Lawrence was talking anyway. I haven't been a Celtic fan for 40-odd years, watching them since I was little one. This is the best one I can, best Celtic team I can remember in my lifetime as well. So I agree with both years on that front. Now, going back on the Ange side of it, seeing the way Ange took his squad and rebuilt it at South Melbourne and then seeing how he rebuilt it, rebuilt the Brisbane Raw to go on and do that Rossellona stuff, then sitting in the crowd for that year, watching him at Melbourne Victory, gutting the team, rebuilding it, and then going, getting, going from there to the Australian team and rebuilding that and seeing the constant evolution of him as a manager mm-hmm. to then seeing what he did in Japan and now seeing what he's doing at Celtic. The way he's, he's turning it over is just the evolution of Ange as well as and the style of football. It's just a joy to, 
joy to see. And I see, like, I'm lucky that this guy is at my club. But as an Australian from the same town that Andrew came from over here in Melbourne, having watched his teams back in 1996 in at, um, what's it called, Lakeside Stadium, the South Melbourne games, and now seeing him over at in Scotland doing this at Celtic, it's just amazing. And the development in him and how quickly it is and the evolution of his game and all this, it's just amazing. So you tie that evolution for me into what I'm seeing as a Celtic fan, and this is the best Celtic squad that I've seen in my lifetime. It's just unbelievable. It's, mm-hmm. That's why there's so many Australian fans over here just like, yeah, we told you Andrew's going to be great and are just up and about it because it's just having seen this, it's like this is the glass ceiling that Australian football needed. Our footballers have gone to Europe, done the job in the top leagues, come back, whatever, but we need that manager to break through and it's finally happening and it's happening at my club. You know this, you're right, you did tell us. And when I think back to those weeks uh, where obviously there was quite a lot happening, Lawrence, you know, and there were some faux pas, I think, in the mainstream media as well as anything else in relation to writing Ange off. There was a snobbery. It was interesting to see Alan Brazil at the game at the weekend. And I think he's uh, realised his mistake and the error of his way some time ago. Um, At one point, at some point, I'm going to go back to the episodes where we were talking about the arrival of Ange. It'd be very, very interesting to to see and hear what everybody was saying, exactly what everybody was saying. But it also came with a disappointment of how the, the board had failed, Lawrence, to, to make a decision early enough in the previous campaign. Then they had failed to make a decision in terms of getting a manager in and giving them, that manager the time to build the, the team for the Champions League and for the qualifiers against Midtjylland because, you know, John Kennedy had managed the team on a temporary basis for quite some period of time. We then ran down one blind alleyway and, you know, fell over at the last hurdle. So you had all that kind of stuff. And then we were presented with um, Ange Postacoglu. And before anybody who then goes on to Twitter and becomes a know-all because they've got Google, you know, we were talking to guys like Jared, who had an intimate knowledge of his career. We weren't just Googling him and watching the same videos on YouTube as everybody else. The concerns were more about how the business was being conducted by Celtic rather than the concern of Ange. But very quickly you saw that this was a guy who, you know, he was going to tear it up and start again. And that's exactly what he's done. And now the evolution of the side is what, what we're seeing. We've seen Kyogo owning the League Cup two years running, Lawrence. Unbelievable achievement um, from Kyogo. But other people within that side as well. And now we're saying, what's he going to do next? You're then looking, and it's not just the legacy players like Turnbull who is already there. I mean, the two sales that we've made this season were two players that Anne's brought in. So he's constantly evolving. What is the final article? Is there such a thing as a final article under Anne's Postecoglou, Lawrence? I don't think so. I mean, the next target's Europe, you know, and hopefully Andrew's here for a long time. But and when he goes, hopefully, you know, whoever takes over, Andrew will have left a great legacy. We'll have a squad of millions, a style of play that just relentlessly wins games. You know, creates chances, scores goals, doesn't concede a lot of chances. So he's building the foundations, you know. Hopefully, for at least another nine in a row. Yeah. You know, and it's the, the distance between us and our nearest challengers, it's just growing, you know, season and season. It's it's phenomenal the job that Andrew's done. But I think all of that comes with it. He doesn't waste his time with things that don't add to his vision or his value at a football club. You know, he doesn't give up, go away and make daft statements to the press and run up to cup finals and that. He's too busy preparing his team to mm-hmm. go out there and win it. Mm-hmm you know, then get involved in stuff in social media or in the mainstream media. He's like, you know what? Let's prepare our football because our football will win as the trophy. Yeah. It's absolutely outstanding for him. You know, the, the snobbery in the media, I think part of that is, uh, it was fact he was joining Celtic. You know, don't get, you know, look at it get across the city. Apparently he's the best manager ever, according to the media. He's never managed anything. Actually came in, serial winner. So part of that is, I think, is bias in the media. You know, you, you had them come out calling for, for him to go. You could see he was building something special. Oh, but he's it, not good enough. It's, it's happened before. It's happened before. Remember Vim Janssen? Yeah. Right? So the headline, 
the headline at the time, Jared, and you could probably search and find this. It was, and I'm paraphrasing here. He was called the worst thing to hit Hiroshima. Yeah. He, he did. He did. I mean, that was the headline, well, right? Really Doctor Doctor Joe. Doctor Joe. Well, Doc, with respect to European, called Doctor called him a, bla- a blank check. Yeah, Doctor <laughs> blank check. Yeah, it, it kind of just shows you. They just want you to write a negative story about about Celtic. That, mm. that was lucky enough to, to spend some time with Chocrates just when <laughs> in Saint Ange and got his Chocaldinho. Aldi- That's him. Yeah, the very man. And he was saying, look, he's a manager of the city group. Do you go and get the best managers? There's a guy's a serial winner. You know, what more would we want in a manager? But Chocaldinho needs to stop telling all his Manchester United pals us as well, though, Lawrence. Yes. <laughs> yes. Listen, I think they've done okay at the weekend as well. I, they've been steadied. I think that ship has been steadied. I'm, I'm shame, going through this. Shame for the, the manager of the other team, but that happens, doesn't it? Hey ho. Jim Kerr. Kurdistan was bouncing last night. Um, it's always brilliant to look at the analytics on YouTube to see who's tuning in. Um, and we do appreciate every single one of you coming in. Joe Hamilton, big Carol Starman was brilliant again. Uh, we will definitely talk about Carol Starfelt and some of the individual performances um, in the cup final yesterday. Because you brought it up, Joe, let's talk about Carol. Now, the thing with Carol Starfelt is that some people have got it in their mind that He's, he could be improved on. He's uh, He's got a mistake in him. I heard that in the commentary yesterday, etc., etc. Now, there's a couple of wee moments of madness, Jared, right, that you don't want to see. Of course you don't. You don't want to see somebody try to scoop the ball over somebody's head in your own box. However, take them out of the equation. Starfield was solid yesterday. He had a very, very good game, didn't he? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply yeah it's um for me, when it comes to centre-backs and defensive midfielders, if I don't hear the commentators saying their name a lot, I don't really notice them, which means they're doing their job. And the thing with Starfelt is you've got those panic merchants who are like, they think he's the second coming of Dedrick Boyata. For me, he was a massive bomb scare. Anytime I heard his name, I was like, oh, no, here we go. Starfelt is playing out of position. If he played on his natural right foot, I'm playing on the left centre-back. I'm not making an excuse for him. But... Yeah, overall, when all you hear is staff out with the header, staff out with the header, staff out with the header on commentary, it's like, okay, that's all I need to hear. Yeah. He's doing his job. The big thing for me as well is there was a moment in the game yesterday where what Carter Vickers does is often memorable because it can be a last-ditch thing that he does. And he done it twice that I can remember yesterday where you're thinking to yourself, if we didn't have him, that that's a definite goal. He, he, he makes a block in the first 15 minutes, which was a headed block, but it was followed up by a tremendous block by Starfield. But so often you, you remember the Carter Vickers one. And then in 30th, on the 30th minute, in the six-yard box, that tackle, that intervention, I think it was Sakala who was just hanging around at the back post, that's a definite goal if Carter Vickers isn't there. And he's very good at that. But Starfelt, like Jared says, Lawrence, he's the guy that's winning header after header after header. He's winning the tackles. He's doing all that defensive bit. It just so happens sometimes if he finds himself with the ball at his feet, either in his own box or at the edge of his box, and he doesn't act quickly enough, he's, he, he panics a wee bit, I think. Um, but I, I said yesterday, I, I still think even at his age, that's an element of his game that you can work around. That's an element of the game that you can still actually rid him of by not putting him in the positions in the first place. So you're, you're kind of, the media saying that there's a mistake in him, you know, he can be improved on. You could probably say that about all bad 11 players in the world, <laughs> you know, the players in the best position. It's kind of just lazy for them. His defensive stance as a Celtic player are outstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, he's it, probably a really tight, defensive unit that don't lose a lot of goals what they have to do to convince them that he's a decent centre half you know we've all seen some uh, 
less than decent centre-halves at, at Celtic Park. That's the car stuff. It's far from that. He's a, he's a great player for us. Mm. Part of you know, the best team I've seen at Celtic. And the stick he takes, I think it's another thing that's media-driven. You know, they always like to target a Celtic centre-half, tell you how much your bomb scary is. You, you never really hear that happening across the city. You know, regardless of how bad they are or how many saves their centre-halves make, you don't go... Boy, oh, and you I knew that him. was coming. I knew that was coming, Lawrence. <laughs> He's likely to hand, handle the ball in the box, so I better watch him. Or, you know. No, you're right. So, Star, Starfield's had more criticism for his performances than, than Golson has for his saves. He has. That's just I, a fact. And it's, you know, do you want a centre half that's prone to handling the ball? You know, if we had them, the number of penalties against us would be even higher. I'm going to throw something at you right now, Lawrence, whilst we're talking about it. What do you think of the performance of the officials yesterday? Fairly quiet, mate, which they should be. You know? mm-hmm. They were all okay. You know, I, I was shocked. Probably the biggest shock of the weekend is Rangers didn't get a penalty. Let's be honest. You know, you were at, in the run-up to the game, every Celtic fan I spoke to, guys at the event Friday night, were all saying, the biggest dangers are, are, are beating on Walsh. If those guys do their job, you know, in, in any way half decent, we'll win the game. And they did, and we won the game. But yeah, they, they were decent, but no more than that. No, should we be overly excited because they didn't award a family Rangers or send any of your guys off? I wouldn't say so. You know, it's something that we should be getting every week. Performances like that, but yeah, they, they were okay. Nothing more, mate. No, that's all you want. You just want them to fly under the radar. You you want them not to be a discussion point. And um, I, I was delighted that obviously they weren't, but I thought I'd throw it over to you anyway, Lawrence, because I know it's one of your favourite subjects. Terence Pat, um, I've never seen a manager who has achieved nothing and is a complete nobody coming to a club so smug and arrogant as Beal. And we opened up with that kind of chat and we kind of just said, you know, just leave them to it. If that's how they want to conduct themselves, leave them to it because it's not working. Um, and this often happens, Calmac 10 out of 10. Sometimes, you know, you get, obviously, the, the likes of Kyogo getting the plaudits, and rightly so, you get Carter Vickers for his his work at the back. One point I would make, and it wasn't just this part of his game yesterday, but see the second goal, Jared? The part McGregor plays in that second goal. Um, often the highlights might not even pan back to when McGregor drives forward because it's him that drives a team forward from from the midfield before Moy gets it and plays a brilliant ball to Hatate who does so well to get the ball across but I mean McGregor has already entered the 400 appearance club he's now getting to that point I think that's his 18th trophy there are only I believe three Celts who are 20 plus trophies if I'm right Lawrence keep me right is it Bobby Lennox Billy McNeil Scott Brown I think so, mate. Maybe even Jamesy. I think maybe Jamesy's got 20. Jamesy Forrest. Yeah, Jamesy's bound to have that, isn't he? Yeah. So, you know, year on year, game by game, Jared, th- this man, Callum McGregor, is uh, he's certainly putting any doubters um, in their place in terms of his uh, leadership qualities. But again, he's just putting in these performances game after game after game. And sometimes he doesn't get the credit for it. The funny thing is, look, what you just said about that second goal... I noticed that when watching it, it's like the ball's there to be won. There's two two Rangers players there that could have easily got it, and he's just bolted straight in, won the ball, drove it forward, and he's like basically thread the needle to get to it. And I'm just like, that's just big game experience right there. And to think that he didn't really get his debut in the first team, what was he, 20, 20 21, something like that, or was he a bit older when he broke in? So if he's like 28, 29 now, he's had 400 games, it's like, it's just crazy to think of late start and you're still there, but it gives hope that those other guys coming through who aren't mm. quite breaking in at 16, 17, but at the same time, it's, yeah, McGregor's just on a, on another level. Like, I love Bruni, first ever player that whose na- number, name and number I ever got on a shirt. Cal Mack will have to be the, num- will have to be the second one. I just love the fact, like, um, Scott Brown, there's, there's some similarities. Scott Brown obviously never came through the ranks, Lawrence, but he makes his debut uh, in his 20s. You know, he wasn't fancied by a lot when he got the captain's armband from Tony Mowbray, it was, that gave Scott Brown it. Um, so there's some similarities there. But then he goes on to have a trophy-laden Celtic career 
makes over 600 appearances, uh, wins over 20 trophies for the club, captain uh, for all of them, I think. Um, and then you've got McGregor emulating him. And again, as I say, you know, you see him after the game and he's composed, he's got class about him. You know, there's there's none of this arrogance and entitlement and all this kind of stuff. And he's grown into a player that I don't think many of us seen that in his early days. You know, when Ronnie Dyla introduced him to the club, Lawrence, I don't think many of us could have envisaged what, what Callum McGregor has gone on to achieve. No, definitely not. You know, 15 final yesterday, 15 winners medals. <laughs> it's outstanding, isn't it? We almost sold him as well. Yeah, no, down in Notts County, decent there. And now he's, he just gets better season and season. You know, very rarely makes an error in the park. But, you know, in the past, teams you might have said, a player like McGregor's probably irreplaceable. Is he now? With the squad that Ange built? You know, could you drop Moy in there? O'Reilly came in and done okay. You've got Oata as well. He's been absolutely phenomenal. What is how many games he'll clock up and how many trophies been in his career? Who knows? But the way he conducts himself is outstanding. You know, he doesn't go on to slag other teams or other players and say, you know what, he's a rubbish, he's a one you know, very little even your own supporters are telling you that. He just can barely win anything. He just goes on, talks about Celtic and how we'll perform, about the manager, thanks to fans. He's just a great ambassador for the club. But as a footballer, fantastic. Yeah, but he cannot be underrated or undervalued. And Barry McCormack at games, sorry, at game, I was relatively relaxed and thought we were largely in control. Was surprised to see so much panic in group chats after the game. And the thing is, Barry, watching it back this morning, there was a small spell, and you get that from getting back into the game with a goal. There was a small spell there where Rangers probably had more possession. Um, but over the piece, you're absolutely right. If you were to look at the game. Um, in its entirety, Celtic just under 60% possession, 14 shots in goal, five on target. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we could have scored a couple near the end. Um, I'm looking back again at, at Ange and what he's done. It's not just about, um, you know, developing a side that's capable of winning trophies. We spoke a hell of a lot about uh, culture at the football club. Jared, you know, and, and in particular in Neil Lennon's final season, we, we felt that there had to be a culture change. And, and then what happens with, with a culture uh, which is instilled at a football club is it can continue once the person who's implemented it leaves. And I think that's hugely important. I always go back to, you know, the Liverpool boot room and it was probably, and someone in the, in the comments who's maybe a more of a Liverpool aficionado than myself might correct me. I think it was Bill Shankly that started that ball rolling. You know, and it went right through the European glory days uh, under Bob Paisley, and you know, even right up to Kenny Dalglish. Uh, and it was a it was a culture within that club, a boot room mentality. They knew, um, you know, what Liverpool was about, and when new players came in, they bought into that mentality. And I think that's a similar thing that Ange has been creating at Celtic, Jared. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's, it was obvious to say, like when we had that. You had that first fan media press conference and Ange gets out there and he starts talking to us regular, you know, content creators, podcasters, YouTubers, whatever, and he's talking and everyone could go, okay, this guy gets it, he relates to it. And then you see that training video with the we never stop, it's gone from there. And you look at it and go, okay, he's come in and he said a marker, this is what I want. He's very strict with – and Ange has always been this way. This is what I want. This is what's going to happen. And either you get with the program or the door's over there. It's always been that way no matter where he is. So see him coming in going, this is good because we did need a, a, a culture change because you can't – if you just put in a new manager and let that just keep permeating through the club and continue to happen and happen and happen, then at the end of the day, nothing's going to change. So, yeah, needed to happen, needed the culture change. Callum McGregor was a big factor in that in my opinion as well. Because, like, you hear, if you listen back to some of the Ange interviews and new players coming in, oh, yeah, when I was in hotel quarantine, Calm reached out to us and took calling me every day, blah, 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 that sort of stuff. So you can see that the two driving factors behind this was the gaffer and the and the captain. And, honestly, it shows a lot, in my opinion. You've got two guys who've got made of the right stuff, who are successful, 
and win trophies. And it's mm. rolled it out from there. So I think um, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a ruthlessness to that as well, Jared, that you're talking about. If, if you don't buy into this, there's the door. We've probably seen it already a couple of times at Celtic. Um, but I was watching an interview, I forget the player's name, and it was someone who Ange actually played with um, at uh, South Melbourne, it would have been. And then by the time Ange is the manager of that side, his mate, a guy who he roomed with and all this kind of stuff, is still at the club, and Ange gets rid of him. You know, there was just this ruthlessness about him. And I don't think they're doing it to be ruthless. I just think that they're doing it from a perspective, Lawrence, of they know in order to achieve the success that sentimentality that you spoke about before has to go out the window. And that's very difficult in life and in business and in football and, you know, top-class um, sport and, and, you know, athletes are going to be put out by that. But I don't think it bothers Ange in the slightest. Um, what I want to talk about, that that 15-minute spell or so, maybe not even 15 minutes, I think we've been tested like that before in the past, Lawrence, and it shows the character of the side it's not just the slogan, you know, that, that we, we never stop. When when the chips are down and you need to show that character, Celtic have shown it time and time again. And I think we showed it yesterday. Yeah, you know, Ange's got them tremendously fit. He's got them committed, well-drilled. When the players know the job they've got to do in the park, they know Ange isn't going to accept, you know, half-hearted attempts or they're not putting everything into it. He wants guys that will run through brick walls for him, that follow the plan. He's giving them a winning formula. Listen, boys, this is the football. This is how it works. It'll win. Just do your job. It's got to be brilliant for the players knowing this. You know, they, they know they're going to take to the park. If they follow what Ange tells them, they'll win. Mm. You know, if, if you're a player, you know, you've, been, you've come over to, to Glasgow to play your football, knowing that you're going to win stuff and play in Europe, that's going to be attractive for players. Yeah. And if players don't fancy it or they start creating something in the background, the manager's quite right to get them out. You know, we, we shouldn't be begging players to, to come here or to stay here or, or to do better. You know, you can think of players that Skepovic or Yeti, that, you know, the manager had to really persuade them to come over. You're kind of going, how did that work out for us? You know, it was so bad it was in the press, so he needs another week to think about signing for us. And just kind of realise something. If they don't want to be here, you know, Gordon Stark and say that. They don't want to yeah. play in front of 60,000 fans every second week and win trophies. This isn't a club for them. You know, move on. Because there's loads of players that will grab it and want to do it. You know, it's a great platform for them. And, yeah, Ange, whether it's ruthless or just laser focus, he knows what he wants and it, he's not going to let any players detract from that. So, like, as Jared said, you know, this is a programme. Get with it. I'll just get out of the door. Yep, you know, absolutely. I'm the manager. What I say, I'm the boss, and that's the thing. I mean, he's always been called the boss, and I also was watching Jared. You, you might well be aware of this, but when Ferenc Puskas went over to Australia to manage, <clears throat> apparently he was turning up in like training gear that was a bit outdated, and there was a couple of trendier players at the club at that time, and one of them got sick of seeing Ferenc Puskas running about in an old training top that was probably thirty year old. So he took his jersey off the, um, you know, the peg in the dressing room and threw it to the gaffer and says, you can have that. And it just so happened to be a Hugo Boss top. And across the front it said Boss. And from that day forth, everybody called Puskas Boss. And I find it interesting that that's carried on into Angie's managerial career as well because we all call him Boss um, as well, or Mr. Postacoglu. Uh, Brendan Monaghan, or Dad, if you're Declan. Happy Monday from the Netherlands, says uh, Brendan. Check Brendan out. On the socials, uh, a musician, you'll be able to download his tracks as well, and I hope you're doing well. And we've also got Sean McGee, 22 trophies in 11 years. We definitely set the standards, um, 100%. And Jonathan Smith, just back in Dublin from the match yesterday. Unbelievable commitment. Um, our Irish fans show every single week coming over to watch Celtic. That's you just getting home. 
We're going to be talking about a couple of more performances before we move on, Jared. I'll come to you first. The, the main man, Moy. All the chat leading up to this game, is it O'Reilly, is it Moy? He comes back into the team. I'm watching him yesterday getting, you know, kicked quite a few times in the first 15 minutes, going in and, and winning balls, breaking up attacks, but he was also involved in the two the two goals, showing his creativity, his passing ability. Um, you knew he was going to come off at some point because of the work rate, you know, throughout the game. But I, I thought he was one of the star men. In fact, he was probably the best midfielder yesterday, Jared. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, like, the amount of... He always looks like he's a step slow. He's just such a languid runner, like, so slow moving in that. But his biggest asset as a player is up here. It's all in his head. And where he was positioning himself to cut off passes, to make them have to make an extra pass so the press can recover... He was doing that sort of thing. So he did a lot of off-the-ball work on top of when he did have the ball. And, yeah, he's made a huge impact on the game. And, yeah, sorry, Matt O'Reilly, but, um, yeah, you're you're the rotation piece now. The the midfield three going forward, you don't really want to change it because one game a week basically is Moy, Hatade and Kelmack. It's that simple. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, when O'Reilly comes on, it could wrap the game up, Lawrence. He gets a very good chance near the end of the game to make it three-one. But I'm I'm totally in agreement with Jared here. That that is the strongest midfield right now, and it's going to take some pretty special to break that trio up. Well, that's what you want, isn't it? It's that competition. When you get your chance, when you get your minutes on the park, you need to take a chance. You know, if a really scored, he's he's pressing his case then for maybe getting to start with. And if you know he didn't take the chance, he'll know. Listen, that probably means Moy's going to stay in the team over me. And it, it's great for players that, you know, it's driving on to, to, to bigger levels. Yeah. Is Moy the best midfielder in the park? Surely with those world beaters, Kent and Tillman on there. You know, he must have been superhuman to be better than them. I did like Jota's nutmegging and Kent, though. You know, oh, it was... The only reason I knew he was on the park was <laughs> Jota nutmegging him. <laughs> like, but there's another boy. He's only got two trophies he won't win before he... His contract runs out. Well, the, the thing is, we'll, we'll talk about the aftermath of this and the impact this is going to have. Once I was talking a, a wee bit about it yesterday in the pre-match, about how if we were sitting here in the worst case scenario, we didn't win the cup yesterday. We'd be licking our wounds, but we knew we, we would know, we'd be safe in the knowledge that we've got the right man in charge of the football club. We've got a, a structure behind the scenes which is solid in terms of a financial and a recruitment process. And we've got a squad that is two or three deep. You know, so you'd be sitting here saying, you know what, sometimes that can happen in cup football. We'd all be disappointed. But you know that the future is still bright, you know, and it's rosy. That I'm sorry, that's not the same scenario at Rangers. You know, they, they must be looking at the situation just now. And some of their fans probably are aware of it because... Um, that's why the banner, that's why the banner, you know, was unfurled the other week there. Some of their fans are, are coming to the realisation that um, they are being left behind and the standard is being set by Celtic Lawrence. Yeah, well, if you talk about different standards, no, 22 trophies in, in 11 years, so it's two trophies a year. I think if you go less than two, two trophies now, it's a bad season for Celtic. That's our standard. If they manage to get one, you know, it's probably the best thing that's happened in many years. The, the, the golf, you know, St. Johnston have as many trophies than at the end of the day. So it kind of shows where they are as a club. And I think that's just right. He's not even focusing on them. He doesn't even have to, you know, other than when they run up to the game, is the only time he looks at them. Because he's building something special here that he won't let comments on social media or, you know, Oh, he's a lucky manager. Jeez. From a, a manager who's had game-changing decisions in his first team, 10 games, referring yeah. to somebody else who's lucky. It's very ironic, but Ange isn't going to be kind of deflected from the, the, the path that he's on, building something really special. And with the quality he's getting, you know, the club's really well run. You know, we've got a lot of money in the bank. That is Europe he's looking at. And I think, you know, two trophies... A young Scotland, I think that's the minimum that we've come to expect now. Anything less than that, you know, it's a bad season for us. Yeah. I think it's one trophy every few years, I think, that's successful. And it just shows where, where the two clubs are. But that that was the, the trend, Lawrence, pre-90s. 
you know, if you if you go from the sixties to the nineties, for thirty years that was the trend. Um until this uh, so-called revolution happened, but I'm not quite sure it was a Scottish football revolution. I want to come to you, Jared, because at the end of the game, I often love watching the celebrations of the players and that coming together of, of um, you know, the, the players and the fans in, in Celtic singing, you'll never walk alone. And some of the guys haven't experienced that in a Celtic jersey or, or indeed in their career, you know, that winning of a trophy or winning of a cup. Um, even Jota, I mean, he was injured last season when we won the Cup, so he didn't get the chance to experience that in the League Cup. Um, but then you get Ange Postacoglu going over. And I think that, like, going back to something you said before, nothing he does is contrived. It's pure emotion, and it's real, and it's authentic, right? And he went up, and there was just a moment where I'm thinking about all the rumours and all the gossip and all the guff that's been written about Ange Postacoglu in the last, couple of months now about I'm going to Everton and then he's going to Leeds and who else is going to be next and he's he's punching that badge on his jacket but I actually think he means something it's not like one of these badge kissers Jared and we've seen loads of them down the years right I think there was a wee message in that am I looking too much into it is that wishful thinking I thought the same thing because Ange doesn't really go for the badge very often like that so um, yeah like he did it at South Melbourne back in the day because that was his that was his junior club and everything. He did it at Australia after we won the Asian Cup. I remember him doing it there. Can't really remember him actually grabbing it, beating it, or kissing a badge very often. So the fact that he was up and about doing that after uh, you know getting that that cup and everything was just magic to see. Oh, it was. What was your thoughts, Lawrence? Because it, it struck a chord with me after the game. I was thinking to myself, right. People were even criticising him for not putting the rumours to bed um, adequately enough when he was asked about it and all this nonsense. Um, he asks Alan McCoy for a run to Celtic Park and he's punching the badge. I just thought there's a message in there. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely a message to the media. I, I'm just surprised that, you know, for the length of time that he's been there, the media just don't seem to have learned anything. They seem to fall into the same traps all the time. Yeah, you know, I just. It's far too smart for them and putting it to bed. This is the media trying to stir up a story, you know. Mm. I just get, you know, a team is prepared to win a cup. He's not going to go, oh, right, this is what we've got to say about rumours about Leeds or Southampton or whatever. Because <laughs> it's not interested. It doesn't add to the value of the team in the park. So he's not interested, you know. He's in the job of creating a winning football team. You know, and he's doing a pretty decent job of it, despite, you know, the predictions of some of the, the sages in the, the media that told us it would be gone by Christmas. The sages, absolutely. Now, there's been quite a lot of talk about music, which we don't mind on a Celtic state of mind whatsoever. Obviously, Lucky Man has been um, a, a song that we've been discussing over the last few weeks for obvious reasons, and Davey O'Raw comes in with Aaron, Aaron Moy, I'm sorry, guys, I would have probably sang that had my throat not been as sore as it is today. Um, but it leads me on to the the uh, Jota on the Wing song, right? I cannot get it out of my head, right? Um, and it's great anyway, but then a new version comes out and it's Ellie Dixon on BBC Five Live with Patrick Kielty. Um, and obviously, as you do, you then find it on YouTube and the full version is on there and I can't stop watching it, guys. Well, talk as well, mate. She's got yeah. a full version on Twitter as well. Yes. It is superb. Jared, you had a chance to see it. Very, very talented. I'll tell you that. I, yeah. I've heard it. heard the BBC thing and I'm like, who's this? And then I saw her on Twitter and I'm like, okay, really nice voice. Very, very good. Yeah, it's, it's hypnotic. We need to get Don't her on the show. Talented girls, mate. Don't yeah, it. I know it's coming. Decent result on Friday, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, Friday night. You want to fill us in? Uh, Fran Alonso's charity is uh, dispatching the team across the city for you now. Mm. Yes. Yep. Um, and uh, Caitlin Hayes, Amy Gallagher, these are names that probably prior to lockdown, um, I didn't have a great knowledge. Lawrence, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest here, I didn't have a, a great knowledge of the women's team. But uh, we started covering them during the lockdown. And of course, Natasha kind of took that bat and ran with it, ended up um, getting a silver award for her. Uh, coverage of women's football just last year. And uh, we get press accreditation for the games now. Um, and it's one of these things that, you know, we're hoping that the game does uh, grow. And I hope that there's more games at Celtic Park, you know. 
I think that to try and get the interest, we need to try and build it into the season ticket. A wee bit like back in the day where you could go to watch the reserve games on your season book, uh, Lawrence. Yeah, and, and get know, free travel. Yep. Remember get Ferguson free travel, free travel on Ferguson. Saturday area? Yeah. But, you know, yeah, they, they, they see if it was played at Celtic Park, and I know they get permission for a small stadium to be built in Barrafield. So I don't know if they're going to go ahead with that. But, yeah, they, they, they definitely need to bring into the, the season book, don't they? I uh, think so. But, you know, great result for them. Led by, uh, is it Jacinta, Prema de Nieva, Galabada, Ricicci? Is that it? It's the Australian <laughs> the, star I was, about, I was just about to say that. Yeah. Another Australian doing a great job. Another Melbourneian, even better. Down that way. Now, yeah. I, I, I've got to... I, I, I can't go through today's show without mentioning two guys... I say guys, two legends, uh, Martin O'Neill and Tom Boyd. But before I do that, Jared, I want you to tell us exactly where to find Celtic Down Under. Uh, let us know a wee bit more about the great work that you're doing. All right, so Celtic Down Under pod started as a podcast in 2019. Uh, we branched out into YouTube, the podcast, one every Wednesday. Um, the last two weeks we've branched out. So now we have a weekend review show every Monday on the YouTube channel. Tuesday, as of last week, we got another show, the Tuesday crew, and then Wednesday is the original podcast that I'm on with um, Liam, Sean, the guys who appear on here as well. So, yeah, we've got um, three shows going out a week now, and uh, you can find them. Look for the Soak Down Under logo. It's up on the top corner of the screen there. You can find us on uh, YouTube and on all the podcast apps. Superb. And uh, I just love getting that, a view from someone so far away and you know how um, much commitment is actually required for you guys just to watch a game we kind of take that for granted so yeah tune in get subscribing like follow retweet do all the good stuff that allows the channel to grow but um, I'm not trying to push anything because these are events that happened over the weekend there but I had the absolute privilege and pleasure of spending some time with Tom Boyd on Friday and then Martin O'Neill on Saturday Um, now their conversations were tremendous, uh, absolutely superb. Some people asked if we filmed them. We don't film the live events for a couple of reasons. Mainly, um, we want them to be free and easy with what they're saying. And um, so filming it probably wouldn't allow that. Um, but also just the logistical nature of doing that as well when you're in a full venue and sometimes, for example, at Gracie's, it might not be easy to get a film crew in there. But anyway... If you want to see what's happening, come along to one of our gigs. The The next one's with Tomo, Alan Thompson, the boy from Seville, and the link is underneath. But the reason I'm bringing it up is, and I'm not exaggerating, I think over the two nights, maybe a dozen individuals came up to me, right, to speak about a Celtic state of mind. And every one of them said that they found a Celtic state of mind during the pandemic. And it became part of their daily routine, part of the structure of their day, um, and they thanked us, not just me, but just thanked everybody that's involved for helping them through that dark and bleak period. And what I was saying to them, my, my response to that was, you know, that that's really touching to hear that. But at, at the same time, it gave certainly me, and I know some of the other contributors, the exact same structure to their days during what could have been very, very dangerous and dark times. So um, I just think it was tremendous all this time after, once we're out of the out of that period, that people still remember it for that. And they brought it up. And it's just really another reminder just to, you know, open up if, if you're feeling like that. Speak to people. We're not experts, Lawrence, but you will know someone who is. We certainly do. Um, and always reach out and tell us because I can't tell you because I'm not an expert, but I'll be able to put you in touch with someone. Um, and it's incredible to hear that people were you know, enthused and helped by a Celtic state of mind. And I just wanted to bring that up because that's so, so important. If anyone is struggling, reach out to us and we'll be able to put you in touch with the specialists and the experts. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to say that I got through that hour. I think I'm going to have to go and recover until Thursday now because my throat is done. There's a bit of damage. Yeah, there was a bit of singing and shouting yesterday. Um, But yes, thank you everybody for continuing to support what we do Thank you to Lawrence Conley and Jared Hill for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.